I uh, cut parts of the body out, one part, vagina, and uh, assumed that. Why, I don't know. So what did it taste of? When's the last time you had a nice roast pork? A while ago. I don't think you're going to eat it again, are you? Disclaimer. In this chapter, we will be discussing sexual abuse and the murder of a number of young adults and young children. Details may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you are sensitive to this topic. Guess what we're talking about today? Murder? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Arthur Shawcross. Yay. He's twisted. No, no. I think a lot of people are going to know about this one because there was actually a, um, like the big interview with the serial, interview with a serial killer that, and it was on Netflix, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. But anyways, that is Arthur Shawcross. However, I don't know that they went into detail of all of his crimes. There's certain things that he refused to talk about. Yeah, so. for sure. And yeah. we'll kind of dive into that today. Have you heard of him, listeners? Maybe you heard of him as the Monster of the Rivers, mm. the Genesee River Strangler, mm-hmm. and the Genesee River Killer. Mm-hmm classic names very for people who dump one or two of their victims near a river yeah for sure <laughs> honestly like they're not all by rivers but they're no. like you know what sounds good yeah river killer whatever you want to call him he was the biggest small man ever like do you know what i mean like small the man biggest syndrome and then physically yeah <laughs> like okay. small small dick energy oh, for sure okay i gotcha i gotcha I didn't, I don't know, I don't know what his, um... You don't know what he looks like? Physical, oh, yeah, but I've never seen him, like, like, I don't know if he's, like, a short, fat guy, or if he's, like, he he looked kind of like a big guy. Yeah, but I mean Mm personality-wise. The biggest small man ever. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's short. I'm saying he was this big idiot, yeah. With no brain who liked to murder. Honestly. I, I get you now. I get it. Well, <clears throat> that went on longer than <laughs> it was supposed to just kind of like hit and stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, like he was 300 pounds and six feet tall. Yes. But he was a coward and a liar. There okay? you go. There you yes. go. Hey. Yes. He is small man syndrome small trapped man. in a large body. Big, big boy. And a serial killer. Weird. Let's get into it. <laughs> Arthur John Shawcross was born on June 6, 1945, in Kittery, Maine, and was the first of four children of Arthur Sr. Shawcross and Elizabeth Bessie Betty Shawcross. Like, just fucking pick one. Yeah. What do you want me to call you? His family moved to Watertown, New York, when he was young. Shawcross said throughout his childhood he was a frequent bedwetter and... Later on, he claimed that his mother performed oral sex on him for several years, starting when he was aged seven, and that during junior high school, he had sexual relations with his sister. Gross. Very. So, I don't... 
because we're at this point right now. Yes. I'm going to bring it up and you can say if you if you hit on it later on. But mm-hmm. when he was, I guess, re-examined by a psychologist and hypnotized and all this shit. And then they tried to bring that up in an appeals hearing. Dorothy Lewis was the... And I've mentioned Sister? her. No, she was a psychologist. And I've oh. actually mentioned her in other episodes. Uh, Ted Bundy and then also the Gannon Stock. Yeah. Because she was like the sole witness that the defense called for Letitia. Mm-hmm. And this woman is, she's a quack. And she had a documentary made about her. It was called Crazy Not Insane. Oh, yeah. I know you mentioned her. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, this is the psychologist that I talked about before that actually, quote unquote, hypnotized a serial killer. And you could tell that he was just playing her. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But she was eating it up. It was like, how did you get your degree? But I digress. She probably just wanted to be the one. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, But allegedly his mother was overbearing and would sodomize him with foreign objects as well. Uh, Despite intelligence tests that determined him having an IQ of 86, which is like low, lower than average. (laughs) Um, Shawcross received A's and B's during his first two years of grade school. Um, When he was nine years old, Shawcross's aunt performed oral sex on him. Again, allegedly. When he had sexual relations with his sister during middle school and junior high, his mother threatened to castrate him when she found out. So do you think he's lying about that? That but maybe not. If, his sister? Did his sister come? Like, I don't know. Yeah, did don't his know. sister come forward? No, I don't think. Like, would you if you were his sister no, come forward? No, I wouldn't. So, like, who knows? Maybe that's, I would. That's the problem. If somebody, right? like, offered me, like, a good chunk of change mm-hmm. for my interview. For interviews? Oh, sure, I would. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Who knows with any of these guys, they're, part of their pathology is that they're liars. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe he like he could literally just be a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a reputation of being a bully and a rebel in school. And he usually opposed rules in violent ways. He dropped out of high school in 1960 around the age of 15. Seems pretty common with these yeah. serial killer kids. Well, yeah. I guess he wasn't a kid. Whatever. <laughs> in April 1967, at age 21, Shawcross was drafted into the United States Army. At this time, he divorced his first wife and gave up his rights to their 18-month-old son, whom he never saw again. Hmm. The end. Wow. Kidding. Imagine that was like the end. Well, he he never saw again. The end. He hasn't killed anybody yet, so. No, I know, but it's like the end. He he was abused, and then he never seen his kid again after going to war. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, he hardly saw combat, actually, if any at all. Though he liked to brag about his victims of war, the typical head chopping, shrinking, and whatnot, I would guess. Mm. And if you guys don't uh, understand kind of what we're hinting at there, go back to the Mike and Richard Ramirez chapters. Yeah. Because they're good. (laughs) And gross. Mm -hmm. After the war, Shawcross was stationed at Fort Sill in Lawton, Oklahoma, as an armorer. (laughs) 
I'm a chunky girl, so like no shade, no tea. But I'm guessing he was in this station as he was thirty, like three hundred pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he was like, yeah, combat. Like, yeah, I don't believe you. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> his second wife, Linda, experienced several aspects of his disturbing behavior, especially his penchant for starting fires. Mm. Me too. Just, just kidding. An army psychiatrist told her that Shawcross derived sexual arousal from setting fires. After his discharge from the army, Shawcross moved with Linda from Oklahoma to Clayton, New York. Linda would soon divorce him, after which he began committing crimes such as arson and burglary. Hmm. Shawcross's offenses earned him a five-year sentence at Attica Correctional Facility and later Auburn Correctional Facility. After serving 22 months, he was granted an early release in October 1971, in part due to his role in the rescue of a correctional officer during a prison riot. Wow. What a hero. guys. Shawcross returned to his hometown of Watertown, New York, eventually getting a job with the Watertown Public Works Department and marrying for the third time. How the fuck did he get three wives? Right? Like, I mean... Was it Slim Pickens back then? (laughs) I don't know how to put this, like, the nicest way. There's really no nice way to put it, but Mm -hmm. if you look back in that time frame, there were a lot of, like, even really beautiful women that were just hooked up with these gorillas. Yeah. And being abused and mistreated by said gorillas. I mean... That's true. I don't know. Women... Their purpose in life was to have a husband and to take care of him. So, women notoriously date down, and men notoriously date up. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Coming from a woman, (laughs) coming from this side of the fence. (laughs) On May seventh, nineteen seventy-two, Shawcross lured ten-year-old Jack Blake into a wooded area where he sexually assaulted and killed him. Blake disappeared near his apartment and was familiar with Shawcross, who had taken him and his brother on fishing trips several times prior to the murder. Hmm. Because of the suspicious circumstances of the fishing trips, plus several conflicting stories he gave her when she confronted him, Blake's mother suspected Shawcross of being involved with her son's disappearance, but the police didn't believe her theory at first and a body was never found. She was pretty sure that Shawcross had taken the boy fishing as well, like when he went missing. Mm -hmm. So it's too bad that the police didn't listen or, Mm -hmm. you know, do their job. This is interesting to me because I think I might be mixing it up with another story. Oh. I think you might. You're probably going to get to it. But can Mm -hmm. I just ask you? You can cut it out if you want to. Yeah, for sure. Was his body found in the river or near the river with the body of a little girl? Or did he have two other murders that are I won't answer you fully, but I will say that I believe you are thinking of the right one. Yeah. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Let's get into it. On September 2nd, four months after Blake's murder, Shawcross raped and killed eight-year-old Karen Ann Hill, who was visiting Watertown with her mother. Now, it could be Helene, could be Helen with an E on the end. Could I think, Ellen. actually, I've heard this 
Helene. Helene? Yes. I was like, could be fucking, could be Ellen, you know? It could be silent H, silent E at the end. <laughs> um, Helene for the Labor Day weekend. So, the gist of that was Karen and her mom are visiting the area for Labor Day. Her body was later found under a bridge crossing Black River. Since he fished under the same bridge, Shawcross became a suspect in her murder, and Detective Charles Kibinski. <laughs> <laughs> I like had <had>, like <laughs> I don't like that. Who was familiar with him persuaded him to confess. He was like, come on, man. We know that you did it. Just do it. You'll serve like a little bit of time and you'll get out. So just really quickly, I brought up um, in my last episode that the reason why you weren't with me on that episode was because your cat had little kittens. And I just like to say that the kittens are adorable. I'm here now and I'm watching them. I'm cleaning them. Oh, yeah. I missed last one. We're rescuing a very beautiful kitty, but the kitty was preggers. <laughs> so, luckily, she only had three. And they're adorable. So cute. <laughs> Moving on. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Distracted. <laughs> Under a plea bargain deal, Shawcross also provided information to police that proved essential to finding jack blake's body which already displayed an advanced state of decomp and therefore made it difficult to determine whether he had been sexually assaulted or not Mm -hmm. i think it's fair to say that he was but they couldn't tell due to that right Shawcross later pleaded guilty to killing Hill on a charge of manslaughter while the murder charges concerning blake were dropped He was found guilty of the charges against him and sentenced to 25 years in prison as a result. A grand jury indicted Shawcross for murder in Hill's death. On October 17, 1972, he was allowed to plead guilty to a lesser charge of first-degree manslaughter for both deaths and was sentenced to an intermediate term with a maximum of 25 years at Attica Correctional Facility. And in November, he was transferred to Green Haven Correctional Facility. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of just feeding him deals left, right, and center in a way. Jeffrey. Back then, it's, I think... More common to get... Just deals, to get it. Because there wasn't, like, closed. a whole lot known about, like, serial killers and reoffenses and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? It was just... It was strictly a matter of punishment and not so much rehabilitation. Or thinking, will they do this again? Right. That's oh, maybe the, we should hold them because right. they could. right. Jefferson County District Attorney William McCluskey explained the plea bargain by stating that other than Shawcross's confession to police, there was no direct evidence linking him to the Blake killing. The district attorney also suggested Shawcross could have argued at trial that he was under, quote, extreme emotional disturbance, and a jury would have been likely to arrive at a verdict of manslaughter. That seems like a cop-out to me. To me, that sounds like bullshit. (laughs) Total bullshit. (laughs) Whether it was due to him being ex-army or maybe friends with the force, I don't know. Either Mm -hmm. way, what a gross slap in the face. Yeah. 
After 14 years imprisonment, inexperienced prison staff and social workers concluded that Shawcross was no longer dangerous, <laughs> disregarding the warnings of psychiatrists who had assessed Shawcross as a schizoid psychopath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was released on parole in April 1987. Once a child murderer, always a child murderer. We know that now. Jesus. They didn't take it seriously back then, right? Children. Mm-hmm. God damn. You are so fucking stupid. And like I said before, <clears throat> that's not something that he's willing to talk about to anybody, right? right. When he continues. He's a sassy lassie. I don't think that he, um, I don't think that he went back to killing more children after, and I think that. I wouldn't go all the way to remorse, but mm. I don't think that he likes what he did to children, if that makes any sense. I think he just started... He's just very... He's embarrassed. He's embarrassed about what he did to children. I think that he moved on to different victims because he probably believed that investigators and whatnot put more effort into put more effort into you know those child deaths fair maybe fair uh, giving not giving him the fucking benefit of the doubt and at maybe, all no and he wasn't a smart man but maybe he thought if i killed children and i just got out maybe they'll figure it out right away Shawcross had difficulty settling down as neighbors would protest his presence and employers would refuse to hire him. He first moved to Binghamton, New York, then relocated to Delhi with a girlfriend, Rosemarie Wally. When Delhi residents became aware of Shawcross's presence, the couple moved to nearby Fleischmann's, only to be met with hostility there as well. In late June 1987, Shawcross's parole officer moved him and Wally into a transient hotel in Rochester, but failed to notify local authorities of this action. Meaning he moved them around. People would be like, oh my god, no, a child murderer. We don't want him here. I don't want to hire him. And then the parole officer was like, you know what? Go here and we just won't tell him that you're there. Right. In mid-October, Shawcross and Wally found more permanent lodgings at 241 Alexander Street in Rochester. Seemingly settled in, Arthur Shawcross was free to let his inner self shine through. (laughs) This is turning into a really nice piece. Just kidding. No. After all, his parole officer didn't notify authorities, so he was truly free to be himself. Fully. In March 1988, Shawcross began murdering again, primarily targeting prostitutes in the Rochester area before his capture less than two years later. He was convicted of 11 murders, with a 12th not officially ascribed to him. Hmm. His first victim, after being released, was Dorothy Blackburn, a 27-year-old prostitute he strangled to death on March 24, 1988. Hunters found her body in the Genesee River. All of these murders were unsolved. Local authorities discovered patterns of behavior regarding the killer, which led them to ask FBI profilers for assistance. 
The strangulation and bodies dumped in rivers form some workable theories as to the killer's identity. Profilers also determined that the killer returned to the scene of his crimes to either conceal the body or to derive pleasure from the attack while viewing the fresh kill. Gross. Grody. Fucking guys are disgusting. Fucking men. (laughs) That's kind of what you said, but then you're like, well, no, not just guys, women too. No, I didn't say that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Fucking men. Serial killing men. But like, if you're a listener, we love you. Oh, definitely. There's not not every man is a serial killer. Just most of them. <laughs> Joking. Just a high percentage of them. <laughs> of serial killers happen to be men. Ooh, true. No shade, no tea. It's fucking true. See how it is? Facts. That? Turned it around. They're spin so doctor. Mm. Yeah, they're like, that's what bitches do. They spin shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Three more bodies turned up between December of 1989 and January of 1990. All were young women and all were prostitutes. Authorities ran criminal background checks on possible suspects, but Shawcross's previous records were sealed, which meant they didn't show up in any checks. <laughs> Just imagine. How, like, how, how is do that they okay? live I mean, with themselves? Th- you don't hear a whole lot about things changing due to the Arthur Shawcross case. Mm. But I hope this bullshit had something to do with the way things kind of work now, you know? That and I feel like now that they'd be like, I don't know, I bet like different cities and stuff were probably more advanced than others at this time as well. Maybe? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And also, like, there's clearer communication now than there was back then. Like, if something happened over a county line or in a different state, you'd never hear about it. Mm-hmm. But now that's all. It's over. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. He murdered and assaulted Anna Marie Seven, Dorothy Keeler, Patricia Ives, June Stott, Marie Welch, Francis Brown... Kimberly Logan, Elizabeth Gibson, Darlene Trippy, June Cicero, and Felicia Stevens. The women would disappear only to be found dead weeks, sometimes months later. Wow. It's a lot of victims. Shawcross later claimed that he killed Dorothy, his first victim of his second killing spree, because she bit his penis too hard during oral sex. Too hard, meaning was there any degree that he wanted it bit? Don't know. That's just the mm. way it was worded. Yeah, that's a fair question, but uh, right? clearly... Too hard. Wasn't hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Since she was the first, yeah, for sure. Because of the high-risk lifestyle of the average prostitute, authorities believed that someone connected to her job was responsible for her murder. Even examining the shooting and stabbing murders of two other prostitutes that occurred in the area, finding no connection. Well, However, were you going to say something? Yeah. However, by October 27th, three other prostitutes were found near the Genesee River. Yeah. 
identified as Anna Seven, Dorothy Keeler, and Patricia Ives. Because all four victims were killed by asphyxiation, local police began to investigate further into the killings while the media, getting a hold of the case, began dubbing the killer the Rochester Strangler or the Genesee River Killer. Wow. As the investigation progressed, Marie Welch disappeared, quickly followed by the discovery of the body of Francis Brown, who was initially assumed to have been Welch. Wow. Yeah. On November 15th, the body of Kimberly Logan, an African-American prostitute, was found in a civilian's backyard under a pile of leaves. A medical examiner found that leaves were stuffed down her throat. Mm-hmm. On Thanksgiving, the body of June Stott, who wasn't a prostitute, was found. And it was quickly deduced that she was gutted and sodomized post-mortem. A knife and a bloody towel were found nearby at the scene. Ugh. Gross. I mean, sad, but gross. It's so gross. The things that he did to... Yeah, it's gross. Frustrated with the rising body count of murderers targeting prostitutes, a local police captain decided to call in the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit. Woo! Woo! Contacting Special Agent Greg McCrary Mm -hmm. and describing the rash of murders to him. He and New York State Trooper Lieutenant Ed Grant, a graduate of the FBI training program in criminal investigative analysis... Jesus, both promptly decided to aid Rochester authorities in solving the murders. However, on November 27th, before the two arrived, the body of a prostitute named Elizabeth Gibson was found, um, being the only victim to not be killed in Monroe County. Mm -hmm, That was mm -hmm. interesting. Instead being found in Wayne County. But, nevertheless, she was connected to the other murders by a witness who saw her with a man who called himself, quote, Mitch. 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 Following this, three more prostitutes went missing, June, Darlene, and Felicia. On the morning of New Year's Eve, Felicia Stevenson's belongings were discovered by a trooper patrolling a rural area. Authorities began to search for her body in the area by air, but there were complications due to the current snowy weather. Two days later, a body was found under a bridge, but it was later identified as June, who was quite ironically aware of the killer and took measures to avoid customers that she didn't know well. On that same bridge, they spotted Shawcross urinating there then driving off in his Chevy before police could reach him. So, like, she was found under that bridge, like, right about where he was standing. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he was pissing on her grave. Probably. I know. Most likely. What a fucking fuck fuck. Yeah. A unit followed him to a nursing home in Spencerport where they confronted Shawcross, who identified himself and then revealed his responsibility for the Watertown child murders. He was then taken to the police station under suspicion. Um, That is where he actually insisted that it was merely a coincidence that he was urinating near the crime scene and repeatedly bragged about his accomplishments as a soldier in the Vietnam War. That, again, is why I think that's what got him released slash, like, those deals. Yeah. And that's why he felt like he could, like, peacock that. Yeah. 
I personally cannot comprehend how a child killer can see the light of day after being convicted, but moving on. Mm -hmm. Investigators were unsure if they should pin a killer pedophile on the prostitute killings since pedophiles never change their victim types so drastically, or at least almost never. Mm -hmm. However, suspicion on Shawcross grew further when several prostitutes, including a would-be victim, positively identified him as Mitch. Subsequently, investigators uncovered his background and were shocked to learn the circumstances behind his release and his movement through multiple communities that was later covered up. The following morning, Felicia Stevens's body was discovered by a deer hunter located near the spot where June's body was also found, which is where he peed. Right. Knowing for sure that Shawcross was the killer, police began to pressure him during interviews, although he maintained his cool. He dismissed the evidence against him as coincidences until an officer suspected Neil of being involved in the killings as well, to which Shawcross denied. He then confessed to being the killer and stated that he specifically killed Elizabeth Gibson, the only victim to be killed out of Monroe County. Because she was trying to steal his wallet, is what he said. Yeah. Um, He said that he defended himself. Um, Like, how do I even say this? He defended himself by, like, projecting his mother onto her, is, like, how he said it. And subsequently strangling her to death. Like, he's like, yeah, okay, well, I killed this one, but, like, I transformed into my mother. Yeah, like, I don't know how he had put that because, and most of his victims, later on, he would go on to say that they were taking from him or trying to steal from him, and that made him snap. So and I then mean it that wasn't until Dr. Dorothy Lewis came forward that he said that his mom took over. Yeah, his mom's personality just like possessed him and it was that so that's a good way to describe it though like literally he's saying that this elizabeth was trying to take his wallet and he defended himself and now he's saying it's because of his mom and all the trauma that she caused with him like in those moments of rage his mother would like possess him Mm -hmm. and he would almost mentally transform into her with all of that rage and then whatever she used to do to him he would unleash on his victims again good way to describe it because like the only way i could is with like he projected his mother Mm -hmm. onto and so says dorothy lewis years later right Mm -hmm. that's all bullshit allegedly I uh, no. I don't even nah, think no. It's a, no. It's <laughs> bullshit. You got to like I said, you got to watch it. And you'll be like she what really believing him? <laughs> and she is. She's just This is great stuff. Dissociative identity disorder. DID. Is her, DID <clears throat> is her specialty and that's what she was trying to show that Shawcross had. <laughs> Interesting. Mm -hmm. He also assisted police in finding the bodies of Marie Welch and Darlene Trippy, personally leading them to the disposal sites. 
Eventually, Shawcross was tied to all but one of the Rochester killings, Kimberly Logan, who had leaves stuffed down her throat in the same manner as Karen Hill, the second victim of the Watertown child murders. But Shawcross denied ever killing her, although some investigators believed he was responsible for Logan's murder, which, in my opinion, is... Like, for sure, he had to have done it. Yeah. Like, come on. In the end, Shawcross had a court stenographer write down a 79-page-long formal confession. Mm -hmm. Retired detective Robert Keppel has argued that the detectives investigating the case over-relied on the concept of an M.O. Modus operandi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did I say that right? Yes. I'd like to say that uh, Bob Keppel was involved in the Ted Bundy and instrumental in catching the green river killer as well i mean arthur sharkross is like a big one too so it makes sense that he like came in Mm -hmm. um so yeah he argued that the detectives investigating the case over relied on the concept of the mo at times searching for multiple suspects due to small differences in the profiles of each victim so almost like overlooking the fact that it was pretty obvious that he committed that murder but because there was just like one or two different things, they were like, "Right, they weren't." We have another them one. Yet. On January fifth, nineteen ninety, two days after June Cicero's body was discovered by aerial surveillance, police arrested Shawcross. So again, where he was urinating on the bridge over Salmon Creek is where they found her body. Um, so for sure, he's just an evil, vile man that was attempting to pee on his victim. Yeah probably knew that the police were in the area searching too like you would think like maybe he did it like even as like being like can't catch me or something like that fucker in november 1990 shawcross was tried for the 10 murders in monroe county he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity with testimony from forensic psychiatrist dorothy lewis (laughs) that he had brain damage multiple personality disorder now known as dissociation now known as did <laughs> and post-traumatic stress disorder um and also obviously that he was sexually abused as a child right if he was allegedly lewis also claimed that shawcross moved into a separate internal personality named bessie when he killed arguing for him to be institutionalized rather than being returned to the prison's system. And Bessie was another nickname for his mom. Mm -hmm. In response to the defense's claim that Shawcross's actions were the product of PTSD resulting from his war service, FBI criminal profiler Robert K. Ressler reviewed the claim on behalf of the prosecution before the trial. Ressler wrote that Shawcross's claim of having witnessed wartime atrocities was patently outrageous and untrue prosecution psychiatrist dr park Dietz testified that shawcross had antisocial personality disorder it was later determined that shawcross had a cyst pressing on the temporal lobe of his brain as well as scarring on his frontal lobes areas that are responsible for decision making and self-control in the end 
After 13 weeks, Shawcross was found guilty of 10 counts of second-degree murder and was sentenced to a total of 250 years to life in prison for the Monroe County killings. A few months later, Shawcross was taken to Wayne County to be tried for Elizabeth Gibson's murder. He pleaded guilty to the murder and was later given a life sentence. Hmm. Afterward, Shawcross was held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility located in Fallsburg, New York, where he would remain until his death. In 2003, he was interviewed by British reporter Catherine English for a documentary on cannibalism, and during the interview, Shawcross bragged about slicing out and eating the genitals of three of his victims, but refused to discuss an earlier allegation that he made of eating the genitals of his first victim, Jack Blake. Right. The child. Yeah, and I actually did start already editing this, so I have a clip of him talking about how, like, humans taste. Kind of like a rump roast or something like that. Yeah. Fuck. He's like, you ever have a really good pig roast or something like that? Yeah. She's like, yeah. He's like, just like that, delicious. Yeah, it's disgusting, and like he literally touched the vagina off of one of his victims and chewed on it while he was driving in the car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. He He said it was like chewing on gum. Holy fuck! In 2006, he was interviewed by Columbia University forensic psychiatrist Dr. Michael Stone for the Discovery Channel series Most Evil. In the interview, Shawcross alleged that he was sexually abused by his mother when he was a child and also admitted to sexually abusing his younger sister, also during his childhood. Mm -hmm. He also claimed that he murdered the Rochester prostitutes in revenge for supposedly having sex with an HIV-positive prostitute and to eat the body parts in order to speed up the process of death out of the assumption that he was infected. Right. Right. Stone Stone agreed with the jury's conclusion of his allegations and did not believe that Shawcross was out of control during the prostitute murders and that he didn't have any outlandish motivations for doing so. Officials said 63-year-old Shawcross complained of a pain in his leg on the afternoon of November 10th, 2008. He was taken to Albany Medical Center, where he went into cardiac arrest and died shortly thereafter. He was pronounced dead at 9.50 p.m. Good. Bliss. Like. Blessed be the fruit. Guy's disgusting. He's a monster, and I'm surprised he doesn't have as much, if not more, press then yeah i know i you know why i think he didn't though because the ones that he did do again he peacocked Mm -hmm. he liked it and he never gave further details he still kept the secrets that he had to himself Mm -hmm. you know what i mean he was only agreeing to it to like be like yeah make the story more sensational but Mm, have you ever tried roast chicken Mm. another part of it too is if you watch his interview which one well any of them 
just the way he is. He's not as charismatic as Ted Bundy. Even no, he's low IQ. Ted Bundy was high. Right. And John Wayne Gacy, I mean, he's not an attractive man, but no. he, he had the gift of the gap, right? Yeah, like, the gap. He's Word. not Ooh. as... Nice. He's not as... Uh, gift of the gap. Public f- friendly as the other serial killers are, I guess. Kind of as sad as that sounds. Nobody wanted to talk to this guy. They were like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the story of Arthur Shawcross. Well, that Nasty was disturbing. little fucker. That was almost as disturbing as uh, our Halloween story will be. Our season two finale. Yeah, season two finale. Finally. Finally. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it'll help our show grow. You can also find us on Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter, or X, <laughs> right? Yeah. At True Crime Story Podcast, where the discussion can continue. If you wish to contact us, you may do so via email, truecrimestorypod at gmail.com, or through Facebook Messenger. You can also join our Patreon or buy us a coffee in the links below. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. I'm Bree. And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye. Bye.